Welcome, dear listener, to Volume 3, Episode 8 of Weekend at Crombies. And this month, we'll be reviewing the film G.I. Jane. Welcome, dear listener, and it's uh, Volume 3, Episode 8 of Weekend at Crombies, and for this month's um, podcast, we're going to be reviewing G.I. Jane. My name is James Evans, Esquire, and I'm not interested in being a poster girl for women's rights. My name is Hugh. Let's concentrate on the steak and not the peas. <laughs> Yes, it's time to do up our bootstraps, isn't it, Hugh? It's Indeed, time to it? load up the big guns. Absolutely. Um, we've got G.I. Jane. It's Demi Moore. Who are? And a very young-looking Viggo Mortensen. Who are? In, yeah, in Ridley Scott's um, military epic. G.I. Jane. Quite, I wouldn't quite call it military epic, <laughs> given he then did Gladiator, <laughs> which involved <laughs> the Roman army. <laughs> Okay, let me let me add that it's it, in Ridley Scott's military feminist epic. Oh, how about that? <laughs> I don't even know if it's feminist, but maybe we'll come on to that. Maybe we'll come on. To it. It's it, what it is is uh, we, we can jump right into it, but we'll say it's one of those films where um, you go through the training. It's a lot of training. Um, the the recruits go into the training, the drill instructor trains them, and they come out the other end. Yeah. Which uh, and so that's the synopsis, Dan. Yeah. Yeah. Exactly. It's Ridley Scott's two-hour music video military epic <laughs> so we, we begin in washington yeah, it, uh, it was where, a huge choice yeah so tell us tell us tell us about gi jane okay let's begin um we begin uh in in washington as um ann bancroft is playing uh, a texas folksy senator lillian de haven uh who's uh who's on a um on a select committee for um the army or the navy and she is grilling a prospective naval um secretary over the coals about basically the sexism in the navy the fact that um women are treated rather badly and um a lot of the positions aren't open to women i.e the ones that involve combat so after a certain amount of horse trading in politics they agree that um they can have one or one test case where they're allowed to pick a woman and put her into a com or training for a combat unit and in um and if they do that um she will give this Secretary of Navy her, her blessing. So that was kind of the trade. Yeah. And and she's, again, apparently Lillian de Haven is getting a lot of kudos for this, for, you know, for pushing forward women's rights and for driving forward this kind of equality um, agenda. So and before so we she, go on as well, I, I, just, the name Lillian, Senator Lillian de Haven. Senator Lillian de Haven. That's perfect. There was a, there, there was a couple of, I mean, <laughs> not, not, you know, it's America, there has a North and a South. There were a couple of very Southern characters in here. <laughs> Yeah. And, and you can you get the impression they were put in there because they get to, they get to a lot of folksy things. That line about yeah, the steak and not the peas. Yeah, is exactly. But I mean, Anne Bancroft is literally just every other line is a, is a folksy. Uh, yeah. If we take a little little recess here, that'd be just dandy. <laughs> 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 I give she's apparently you know high high flying. I, mean, I think it is part of her, her persona. She she puts forward this folksy nature, yeah. but um, but they're having a lot of fun with it anyway. So um, so Anne Bancroft. In fact, yeah, she was. They're coming out there. They're picking their their selections. And despite you know Anne Bancroft being a bastion of feminism, she doesn't want ugly women in her test cases. So they no, she doesn't want ugly women or lesbians. 
Yes, they, they throw away two highly qualified women who look like you know they can run marathons and chew nails because they don't yeah. look right. They find Demi Moore and they go, well, isn't this farm the top draw with silk stockings on it too? <laughs> so Demi, Demi Moore is. Uh, so that's the first time we actually meet the protagonist. It, well, you know, you, you're laughing here, but she's right. <laughs> Yeah, I don't think it's controversial. That, yeah, Demi Moore in the mid '90s is and was a very attractive woman, and um, and yes, but apparently, his lieutenant or lieutenant um, Jordan O'Neill, um, who is again a triathlete and uh, has been through jump school and did all sorts of stuff, and she's in military intelligence now, um, but has applied for combat training again and again and again because she sees that as a route to advancement. And this is where we meet our protagonist. It's about a wee while into the movie, actually. We've seen it's what, about what, twenty or twenty-five minutes in, isn't it? It's all there or thereabouts. It's not because the movie goes fast. All the all oh, this. It does. Yeah. All this, what you say is Washington horse trading, is shot at the pace of a bank heist. It's literally it's, it's, the camera is racing across the Potomac, and then it goes into this committee meeting, and then they're running along into their car. It's like yeah. boom, 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 boom. And there's, probably, there's, prob- there's probably enough plot in that first twenty minutes that most films get through in about an hour and ten. Yeah, and even when they're selecting the, the photos, they're like flicking around the table. Yeah, it's like, oh, yeah. so yeah, it's it's, it's quick, um, but it does seem odd that our protagonist only appears now. But this is again Lieutenant Jordan O'Neill. She's um, we introduced her because she's currently doing something awesome in intelligence. She basically reads the minds of the, the the field unit where they'll where they'll go to get at their radar signal. And you know, all her superiors don't believe it, but you know, she called it yippee. Um, yeah. So that that shows that she's she's intelligent and she understands soldiering. Um, and she's a woman. And she's a woman. Yes, it's established she's also a woman. Um, if you needed that to be told, uh, <laughs> but she's she's again she's offered she's summoned to to the sitter Lillian De Haven's office, which ah, looks like a bad whorehouse if you ask me. <laughs> I will cease the Lillian De Haven impressions. Oh, no, it's good. We can add we can add Anne Bancroft to your um, Anthony Hopkins impressions. <laughs> no, no, it's it's that, that's range, isn't it? Now do add oh, Anthony, Anthony Hopkins. <laughs> uh, so I don't need feel a need to drop into Andy Hopkins because I'm so into Anne Bancroft's Lillian De Haven right now. I've absorbed the character. <laughs> I'd be interested if you could do Vigo Mortensen's Commander Master Chief John James Urgale. I don't think even he could repeat that. <laughs> we'll do that moustache. Um, <laughs> I, th- I think there's a lot about that performance that... Um, yeah, you probably wouldn't have guessed his next one would be in the blockbuster Return of the King. But um, right, we'll come right. to that. Um, so again... Um, De Haven basically makes her proposal to O'Neill saying, you know, you get to be in combat and you want this, don't you? And uh, she, O'Neill makes a few mumblings about, I don't want to be some kind of postacle for feminism. But she says, yeah, yeah, of course I want it. So she, um, her next meet, her next her next meeting is in the bath with her boyfriend. <laughs> yeah. uh, so O'Neill's, O'Neill's discussing it with her boyfriend, who is, I think, again, we'll come into the analysis. He's mostly there to prove that she has a boyfriend, that she's not gay, and to kind of just say, not quite the right thing. He always managed to put his foot in it a lot. I, I would say he, he's there to somehow persuade her that she's doing the wrong thing all the time, <laughs> which, is, which is not really the kind of support you want. He's not a someone, supportive boyfriend. He's not he's... a supportive boyfriend at all, given that she is going to be the first, um, the first woman to train as a na- as a as a um, a Navy SEAL. Yeah, I mean, it come should... on. Yeah, we should mention actually the, the, the training course she's going on is like Navy SEALs Plus. It was made up for the film. Yeah. It's basically like the Top Gun. It's the, the best of all the special forces come together to do, I think, combined recon training or whatever. So it's 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 really tough training is, is the, the, the point you have to get with it. But yeah, the boyfriend... And, and her boyfriend is basically saying, you know you'll fail. You'll no fail. You're, you're no going to fail. Thatcher. No, no. <laughs> no Dennis Thatcher. No, he's, he's not, is he? No, but certainly when he gets out of the bath and he's an enormous man. Um <laughs> 
yeah, yeah. And well, he's not. He's talking about his um his, his upper body technique. That wasn't even what I meant. My point was that uh, the interesting with the boyfriend is, yeah, he, like he's got a massive chest of hair and he's barrel chested. I think they tried to emphasize that you know, even though his 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 girlfriend's gone off to be a soldier, he's not a sissy either. Because the oh. next time we see him, he is for no discernible reason holding a monkey wrench. Yeah, because <laughs> this is this when Jordan comes back into the house and he's he's there after them since for weeks and he's just got a monkey wrench down saying I was fixing something. I think he's just been stood there for about a week holding a monkey wrench, waiting well, you, for it to come you, home. In fairness, when you do a job around the house, you want the credit for it. There's no point it fixing is. the tap unless yeah. your wife's going to come in and say you fixed the tap well done. So I <laughs> might I would stand there with a beforehand, didn't it? I would stand there with a monkey wrench until someone came in and gave me a pat on the head. But um, <laughs> but. Uh, so that, that's the boyfriend is basically he's, he's he's not he's not hostile to it, but he's very unsupportive. Like, Joshua, do you want to go on this? Uh, I don't know. Do you want to? It's really passive aggressive as well, because every time he says, are you sure you want to go on this? I think I think it would be really difficult. She says then. So what what do you want me to do? <laughs> Say what you think. No, I, no. I, 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 all I'm doing, all I'm doing, all I'm doing is just, you know, laying it out there and saying that I think you're going to fail. So t- t- tell me what you really think. No, no, no. Look, 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 I love you. I love you. I'm just saying that you're going to fail. He also says, I did, look, I didn't know we'd have the conversation after know where I'd be in three years' time. <laughs> yeah. not, not the most committed thing you could say to someone you're sharing a bath with. <laughs> Yes, but that notwithstanding, uh, Jordan is undeterred. She goes to to um to uh, to, to, to CRT training, and basically we call it SEALs training, where um special forces stuff, where she meets her, her commander Royce, um who is again, um it's not Royce, is it? Who's no, the it's uh, Salem? Salem. Scott, Scott Wilson, yeah. Again, Scott, Scott Wilson, Wilson, yes, doing yeah. another another marvelous yeah. um yeah, with a massive cigar, and another marvelous Southern folksy wisdom. <laughs> Yeah, she's she's like, sir, I I am not here to make a statement. I just want to fetch a shout. She goes, I suspect if you was like everyone else, we wouldn't be making statements about not making statements. It is, it is. But what what, what happens is it's the first kind of sign that maybe something isn't quite right because when she walks in and he 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 offers her he, yeah offers her the chair and pulls the chair out slightly and she sits down and and you know that comes up a bit late and saying that you know basically you you you, you pulled the chair out. I thought that was quite nice. <laughs> yes, <laughs> I'd appreciate <laughs> that. <laughs> but also, yeah, yeah, he just he describes how again they're basically they're going to try and they're trying to do their best to make it um to make it to accommodate her because so she gets mm. her own her own um, dormitory which is basically her and her own shower. It's and, not um, really a dormitory though, is it? Well, it is, I suppose, but it's, it's full it's of different. it's full it's of industrial too. fans which come in handy a bit later. <laughs> And, uh, but it's, it's, he also describes it as um, uh, if uh, we, we have a doctor for your medical personal needs, <laughs> which is exactly how you'd imagine someone who's never been near a woman would describe. So there's, so O'Neill begins uh, training. Actually, they have, a, they have their, um, in a very standard way of, of training happening, all the groups are lined up and um, the... Uh, and hey, is it um, um, Salem? Captain Salem tells them this is the toughest thing they'll ever be on, and sixty percent of you will drop out. And then introduce um, who's the real star of the trading thing, Master Chief John James O'Gale, Vigo Mortensen, um, <laughs> Master Chief, Master Chief, uh, who, who of course starts mm. quoting G. H. Lawrence at them. Of course he does. <laughs> He's the least cultured person ever, and here he is quoting D.H. Lawrence. Which which is later proved he owns a book of D.H. Lawrence yeah. probes as well. I like to think, though, the entire thing was just contrived to confuse the hell out of his recruits. He, didn't, he doesn't understand D.H. Lawrence either, but I thought, I'll just go up there and spout bollocks, and that'll really scare them. 
It's a nice poem, though, I'll say that. It's a lovely poem, but um, yes. yeah, it's, this is not a poetry recital because he immediately starts, you know, hitting and making the men and O'Neill run off into the sea and go all kinds of brutality. And indeed, montages follow, and it's pretty, we skim over, there's quite a lot of happening. You know, all, the, all the troops, who you can't really tell who the, who's who, and O'Neill um, run along the sand and fall into the sea and get knocked over by stuff and get lots of drill instructors shouting at them, all to the montage music. Yeah. yeah, which is kind of it's it, yeah it's you, you describe the montage music as typically typically bombastic nineties orchestral stroke rock. Yes, well, all the, I think all the songs are drawn from the seventies because this was kind of this was the age part of the nineties when they were drawing all the stuff from the seventies, yeah. the Reservoir Dogs, yeah. and it was this, and then I had the Vengeance did a lot too. So I think we um, people were very um, uh, nostalgic for seventies music. Um, also probably because maybe it had a Vietnam tinge to it as well because you, you have that kind of feel to it. But but nonetheless, yes, montages of brutality follow. I think the only pertinent things to know here is when some of the recruits don't like O'Neill, they, they're, they're outraged yep. the woman is, is even training here. Um, O'Neill is initially given special treatment, as in um, when they do an assault course, she's given a little white box to stand on to get over the wall, which she resents. <laughs> um, yeah. And, it, yeah. and it, ter- it, turns out, it turns out that she's actually... Um, there's there's uh, some kind of algorithm, isn't there, that enables her to perform better than than the men as well, isn't there? Some they they've, they've provided the kind of they've they've accommodated her femaleness, haven't they? They say things like yeah, they get um she gets extra thirty seconds on the assault course and yeah. and therefore if she's not happy about um and also uh, one very memorable moment, uh, O'Neill goes into the barbers and shaves off all her long black hair until she's completely bald and mm. very military looking partly because it was getting in the way and I think she needed it trimmed down but also I think she was at that point she was so exhausted and annoyed she just thought oh sod I'm taking the whole thing off. <laughs> It's quite an iconic moment as well, isn't it? It is, especially in, in... because, again, this yeah. sounds ridiculous, but Demi Ward was famous for her hair, <laughs> which she was. <laughs> uh, you know, she, she was she did the whole kind of, you know, yeah. not all, you yeah, know, I, I don't know, I don't know her hair products, but um, it was one of those adverts where you flick your hair about a lot, and she was in them. Um, Imperial you know, leather, let's say. Imperial that. leather, let's say. She was giving <laughs> Jennifer Aniston a run for her money, and what happened? You actually do see the actress put an actual razor to her actual head and shave it away. It's not, it's not faked or done at all. So it's, um, yeah, it was, a, it was a bold stroke. But I mean, look, it's no Christian Bale in The Machinist losing <laughs> nine stone, is it? But you know, it's, it's something for someone yeah. who shaves their head most weeks. <laughs> I looked at that. I rolled my eyes. <laughs> I think it was a bold statement for both character and actor, and yeah, um, and and yeah, and uh, and even though you do it yourself, James, I still think it's quite a feat. <laughs> Dare I say that it suits her as well? Okay. How about that? <laughs> That's the funny thing. It was. Uh, it's. It's. Yeah. It's. It's very easy to do something that makes you look good, any whatever you do. But yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> but nonetheless, um, with head freshly shorn, O'Neill then goes into to see. Um, Captain Salem once more and says, she, she says I've, I've had enough of this. I don't want unequal treatment. I want the same as everyone else. Yeah. And um, he's he's a he's slightly bewildered he by this, isn't he? Oh, you know, he, fl- he flips a little bit. He, uh, yeah. He's like, he's, he actually, rather than being all the polite, can I get you a beverage? He's like, I resent the fact that I have to send yeah. my men on sensitivity training. I resent the fact that I've got to keep a gynecologist on the staff. And I resent your perfume, which I thought was a bit much because she just crawled out of the, the sea and the swamp. She probably doesn't have any perfume on her. But um, the whole point was to say the perfume was interfering with my fine cigar. Yeah, exactly. And um, he, he ends up saying to her, well, you know what, you're, you're going to get everything that you've wanted and asked for. I just hope you can cope. 
Oh, no, 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 he didn't say that. He said, very well, O'Neill, you're going to get everything you want, but are you going to want everything you get? <laughs> yeah, well, okay, yeah. He did. <laughs> because he's Captain Salem, and that's how he talks all the time. <laughs> oh, dear. But, um, so now off O'Neill goes. Um, and okay, I think it's another training montage can, commences. Uh, it's, uh, the first half of the film is probably three or four montages. Just give Rocky a run for its money. In yeah, I could, couldn't it? Yeah, yeah. definitely. <laughs> and I'd say I'd probably O'Neill graduates slightly from being battered around to slightly learning stuff, but it's still the same. They're, they're assembling machine guns. Yeah. And yeah. one or two it's of them. tough, but, but all, so, you know, there's a few men that have already rung that bell to leave. Yeah. Oh, yeah, they really ring the bell to leave. And, uh, and, um, and was it? It's causing a bit of worry. Yeah, one or two of the men are slightly um, coming around to O'Neill as members of the team. There's still a couple yeah. of uh, complete goons that have no place for her. At which point we might mention the interesting role played by Jim Caveziel, um, later to be played Jesus as, yeah. uh, as Private Slovnik, who stands out. I know, again, it's it's difficult. I always made this point in military movies. You had to get everyone who looks the yeah. same, basically, wearing the same yeah. clothes, doing the same thing, standing out. Um, and they made this Slovnik character stand out in a very peculiar way because everyone else is they're basically they're all special forces the idea this is an elite 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 training um and he's basically like forrest gump he's he's a complete idiot (laughs) and he he flaps around everywhere like even even the people who are misogynistic towards o'neill are misogynistic in a you know in an aggressive militaristic believable way and he's basically just dancing around saying she's bringing tampons into the barracks (laughs) Because by this point, Neil has moved in with a male barracks, just want any separation. Yeah. Um, and even at the, the, you know, the very end, we come to there's a firefight at the end. Rather than everyone else kind of you know lying down and shooting in the military great way, he's dancing around with a machine gun, going whoop whoop whoop. So oh, he's an idiot, isn't he? I'm getting he's <laughs> in the sixty percent dropout class. So yeah. an interesting character throws from someone who then went on to have a more successful career um, being yeah. nailed crosses. But well, it is true though, because you would imagine that the the uh, the the, um, the members of the the group that are training they don't just need to have physical presence. You would imagine they need to have something up top as well, right? Because yeah, yeah. you know they've got to they're going to have to interpret military actions and commands in a way that is really important. And yet this guy just he's I don't know he's, he's an idiot. Yeah, well he is. Yeah, I suppose he's he's not. I mean, for his He's not even Forrest Gump level, though, is he? No, but again, yeah, Forrest Gump actually shut up and did what he's told. Like even in the even they, they go on live live training where they have to get you know camouflaged up and wear the 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 dress and everything, and uh, not, not an actual dress, the military dress. <laughs> yeah, yeah. And, and even he's he's got a helmet on with like a bit of fern hanging over the top, like it's a big yeah. feather. It's like that, yeah. that can't be regulation. That can't uh, be regulation. Nonetheless, we're on a sidetrack, but. Um, more training follows, yes, and the, the Navy bosses are now getting worried. Um, yeah. And we know we know they're villainous because they're all playing snooker, which is... <laughs> yeah, yeah. Nobody in America plays snooker unless yeah, you're a villain. So that shows how villainous they are. It's not a good old game of pool. They're playing snooker, and one of them goes, that pink ball in the middle is kind of distracting, isn't it? Yeah, exactly. <laughs> so we know what they're about. And at and, and this, yeah, this point, um, the uh, O'Neill's boyfriend, whose name escapes me, but he's... Uh, He's called in by the Navy, who are who, and they they look like they do all this background research on O'Neill, basically trying to find ammunition against her. No one's worked out that he's her boyfriend for the entire movie. He's but he is commissioned. Oh, it's to, weird, isn't it? Yeah, yeah. It's because they ask him. He basically they ask him, saying, "How well she done? How well she done?" He goes, "Oh, actually, she's she's doing well in the the written test, and she's competing with the men physically with no no no." Um, well, no, I don't know how you found out this information, but you keep on getting it to us. Exactly that. <laughs> Like you seem very well informed. Stay well informed and find out all about her personal business. <laughs> Lieutenant Commander Royce. As Royce is it? Yeah. Um, yeah. But yeah, so he, he's he's commissioned with it, and um, I'm not sure exactly sure why. But, but um, 
it's shown that the 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 navy navy guys are military and as uh as this goes on um i suppose we can better come to kind of the fulcrum of the the film whereby this is their their first training where they don't just run around to the sea and do push-ups they actually have to go into uh to training against the instructors led by Viggo Mortensen as as if they were the enemy so basically i think the idea is they have to evade capture and if they are captured they have to resist torture um so uh o'neill is now being put in charge of a boat crew she's got like uh, five guys under her command and um that's sure enough the guys who don't like because she's the longest serving member of the training group is that right no, she's the senior. She's an officer lieutenant, um, and the only other lieutenant in the boat crew is a month was was um, commissioned a month after her, and that is ah. how it works. If you're, if you're a senior officer, you get to be. Doesn't matter how senior you are. Um, I know this from my extensive study of Zulu. Where I was going to say, I know this from my seven years. my seven years, Stanley Baxter. Yeah, that's right. I thought you were going to say, I know this from my seven years undercover in Afghanistan. <laughs> I've now blown for the post post. It's not Stanley Baxter, it's Stanley Baker, isn't it? Stanley yeah, Baxter. Of course it's Stanley. Oh, Stanley <laughs> We're all over the place here, right? Uh, so, um, the, so they're all captured because basically the guys who don't respect O'Neill blew their cover because they ignored her, her, her orders. Um, but uh, basically, I think the entire class is captured by the end of it. All the um, Master Chief and his his uh, subordinates have the entire class behind kind of. Um, wooden stake fences like a very jungly type scenario where they they yeah. drag the, the officers into the, the the hut and slap them around a bit until they give them information and no one is um except when so the, his, his instructors are also called max pyro pyro <laughs> and instructor johns if your name's max pyro you're not either in the army or going to be a supervillain. i think you've, you've let yourself down badly <laughs> It's certainly a name than John James Urgale, which just yeah, sounds like. Well, no wonder he's called Master Chief. Yeah, yeah, they'll call him Master Chief because it's a much better title. Um, but again, the the officers are being slapped around and kind of given a rudimentary interrogation until it comes time for O'Neill to be interrogated as the officer. Mm-hmm. Uh, which base Urgale takes this duty personally and starts really it's whacking brutal. her. She, she's her hands are cuffed behind her back and she's in a chair, and he starts really beating her up and throwing her head first into posts. Um, and then she gets thrown out into the yard where the beating continues. Yeah. Um, at which point, uh, Master Chief uh, is either threatens to, or we don't know how far it was going to go, but again, was threatening to rape um, O'Neill. Um, at which point, uh, the idea is that one of the men behind the fence will give up intel um, to to save her, and he was almost making that point, saying that you're you're you, O'Neill is compromising the unit because they will they will crack yeah. to protect herself. Um, yeah. yeah. So yeah, she's compromising the unit because she is effectively a woman. At which point O'Neill takes the direct route of kicking him in the bollocks, which um, yeah. can't get that every weekend at Grumpy's. Oh, you <laughs> and, can't. And I, I, I hark back to the uh, uh, Tom Selleck uh, diatribe that we had with the, the Quigley Down Under episode, episode three. Very good. It wasn't quite as, 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 as graceful as that, but, she, but she's, she's cuffed and concussed. So she not only managed to kick him a few times, she, gets, she breaks his nose too. So she, um, she did rather well. Um, but again, given that he's on his feet and without handcuffs, he gets the better of her and basically punches her unconscious. Yeah. Um, which at this point, um, rather than the, you know, the, the men all respecting him, even the ones who don't like O'Neill, all as one turn their back on Master Chief, which I thought yeah. was interesting because you're normally in these films, you're used to the drill instructor being omniscient and, or, um, and knowing the best for everybody. And even though he gives you a hard time, it's because he wants you to succeed really. Yeah. And at this point, he's really gone too far. Even his subordinates are looking, saying the boss has gone too far with this one. Even Max Pyro. Even Max. It's too. If you're too intense for Max Pyro. <laughs> <laughs> um, 
<laughs> and in fact, at the moment again, so um, Master Chief now with his nose broken and blood coming out of his through his fine moustache, um, sort of go, goes up to him and quite plaintively pleads with his prisoners, saying, "Guys, I'm doing her a favor, and I'm doing yeah. you a favor." Um, at which point, uh, O'Neill recovers consciousness and once again gets back up on her feet. Um, when she's just told to seek employment elsewhere, to which she uh, she retorts oh, uh, in quite angry, my dick, uh, which has the entire <laughs> prison camp whooping with success. And it's kind of that moment she wins over the entire crew because uh, she's shown that she will not be broken by uh, Master Chief. Um, and it's interesting that the scene doesn't end there, even though normally that you know, the, the music swells. There's a kind of, this is the triumph, whoopee, you know, yeah. uh, O'Neill's made it. Um, a, a guy on Master Chief is now going back to, you know, to crack his nose back into place and to, to discuss matters with Max Pyro, who tells him that won't happen again. That we went too far. And uh, Master Chief, of course, has the revelation saying it will happen again. She's not the problem. We are. Um, yeah. Which and is, maybe a bit of a Damascene moment. Yes. Yes, indeed. Um, but so all this all is well in the world of uh, of O'Neill. Now she's been doing the faces a relief map of bruises. She's been accepted by the crew. They went out drinking um, to sell, to celebrate going through training, and she's nearly completed it. You know, she's she's well on her way. But the the so navy. How, how far how far into the film is this? It's just over an hour in. Is that right? Hour in, yeah. Maybe a bit more. Yeah. It, I mean, it's a premature it, success, but it seems like we we we're through it. We've done the worst of it. It's it's certainly the end of the it's it's the end of the first half of the film, isn't it? But I suppose my my feeling is is that 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 could have been the film, yeah, couldn't it? I mean, that could have been the film, but um, there's a whole other film now. Yeah, we'll we'll come into the, the analysis and to how, how <laughs> yeah. it's structured. But but so even though all is well, the Navy are not too happy that their test case because the reason they suggested you know SEAL training and all this is because they thought no would no would survive. You know, sixty percent of the men don't survive it. No woman would survive this. Yeah, so they get the best of both worlds, don't they? They they opened it up. They invited a woman in, so it shows them that they're liberal, that they're progressive. Yeah. At, but she failed, so unfortunately she didn't get in, and it's proved us right. Yeah, but um, she did get in. <laughs> and she so um however the what the navy have at their disposal is the ability to close naval bases there's big military cats coming and they get to choose where those cats land and they've decided that five of those cats are going to land in um senator lillian de haven's own state of texas yeah. which again is, it is implied as soon as you know once you lose ten thousand jobs in your state you're not going to get re-elected which lillian de haven is acutely aware of um so uh what then happens is i think the military base is sent photographs of O'Neill, um, because after after she she really has befriended one of the the the, the, the camp medic um, who is a woman uh, who is a woman it's a woman uh, <laughs> she's a woman doctor and everything um, she's befriended the medic and after having drinks she's with the, the guys, gynecologist that's been this this had well, she, to be she, recruited she's, 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 she's a doctor so she's clearly got a scope unless yeah. <laughs> men have gynecologists checking them to see if they can see right. <laughs> Which maybe they are, they're cutting military budgets. Maybe these could have one doctor for all the things they need. I'd probably question where that individual studied if they, if they were if <laughs> concussions, bullet wounds, and gynecology. I think that's yeah. <laughs> um, but yes, yeah, so uh, but she she struck up a friendship with her, and so after having drinks with the men, she drives off and has basically a beach barbecue with uh, this doctor and several other forever friends, which long range photos are taken of basically them having a beach barbecue. So nothing. Remotely yeah, no, it's so happening. weird, isn't it? It's just they're they're there just having a drink. Yeah, yeah. They're um, not even touching or anything like they just sat sat around. I think there might be some mild application of sunscreen to shoulders, and they're probably dressed for the beach, but not in a provocative way. Based on the beach of you know like t-shirt and shorts <laughs> um, yeah, as you would be but but these these long-range grainy photos are posted the base saying 
someone should check into this for potential embarrassment. Um, and then all of a sudden O'Neill is pulled off in front of a, a, a committee of, of admirals, what have you. Um, I believe the doctor was actually a lesbian um, and therefore it's implied that O'Neill through her association might be as well. And Well, that's how it works, isn't it? I don't know what the current policy in American. <laughs> well, that's how it works in the, in the American military in the nineties. Again, I don't know what the current policy is. I'm assuming it's improved, but in the nineties, it's a huge thing of "don't ask, don't tell," whereby you weren't allowed to be gay in the military. But if no one ever found out about it, no one was going to be bothered by it. Um, but I, I, I do. Isn't it right that if you are in physical proximity to someone who is homosexual, it can you become be. homosexual? Yes. Uh, yeah. <laughs> so, that, that's that's in the military manual um yeah so so uh but the thing is they they're not actually accusing her of being gay they're saying we're going to just have an investigation it's all fine but you'll be on desk duty until the investigation's over which means that she will have to go through the entire training um known as you know hell week and all that kind of stuff again if she wants to qualify <laughs> so there's their little subtle dig of you know well you know you know we're not accusing you of anything you're all right but you're going to be under investigation and you will have to do the training over again which she basically does not want to do so she she um she storms out of the meeting and then and unlike all the other men who just ding 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 the bell she picks up a baseball bat and wallops that was Chekhov's bell when you see it the first time I always knew that she was going to have to ring it at some point she'd be forced to ring the bell because yeah, it's a big exactly. yeah. but how would she ring it she'd ring it with a baseball bat that was alright uh, so then she goes home um, to, to her beau Mr. Uh, Mr. Royce uh, wielding the uh, monkey wrench yeah. of manliness <laughs> <laughs> um, then he gives her a big cuddle and a, and a gin and tonic and um and they kind of they think it's all over ha but then yeah. I, I believe actually it was royce who was sent the facts of o'neill having a barbecue with the, the threatening message yeah so and actually he comes good doesn't he he does he proves himself useful because what he does yeah. is he notices this this is this marks out in the 90s um he there's a slight flaw like on the fax paper that yeah. matches the same flaw on um lillian de haven's fax paper so this is how, this is how you trace things in the 90s there was no uh, there was no checking out the um the uh, the server code or anything it's like this does the fax paper have a slight dint in it and it does so all of a sudden it was lillian de haven it wasn't the military that sabotaged um, because she was horse trading she uh by sabotaging O'Neill, um, the next scene we get is Linda Haven not getting any bases cancelled. She keeps all her bases in Texas, and uh, and she's happy as a clam, um, which I'm sure is the kind of expression she would use. <laughs> <laughs> Keep I'm as happy as a clam and a sea chowder. Cue a, a confrontation um, in the there. seat of justice. Yes. Oh, oh yes. I I missed the symbolism. Yes. Yeah. So, uh, so yeah. Um, O'Neill turns up uh, to to face off with uh, De Haven, um, whereby there's there's some light discussion in terms of like uh, um, debating the issue where they kind of they're basically talking. So you know, um, Lillian Haven says basically, yeah, I did it. What what's your problem? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> goes, Look, I but I only did it because I never thought you'd make it anyway. <laughs> Yeah, but then she goes into this really weird. This was the thing when kind it gets of moral weird. view. Yeah, it, they they both have a debate that is completely out of context of either of their characters. Where Linda goes, "Look, Americans are just not prepared for women to come back blown to pieces and young mothers." And Demi Moore was going back with, "Well, you know, are we saying that a woman's life is worth more than a man?" And both yeah. neither character belongs to that, but it does feel the script thought we need to get this in somewhere because these yeah. are the talking points of the film. So let's. Have I, it's things. funny that the the the, the moral the moral um the moral conversation is about the view that i don't think the film actually has that 
It perceives the American military service to view women as more precious than men. Yeah. Which is weird. Oh, this, yeah, the, the fact that they, well, again, yeah, it's, it's mentioned as well. They try, the Israelis tried women in combat and the men um, sort of tried to, if they got wounded, the men would stop everything and try and re- re- revive them, even if they couldn't be saved because they were too sentimental, yeah. this kind of stuff. So this is why, yeah. and again, um, Master Chief was making the point that the men would crack if they tortured a woman because, you know, they, they, they're too sentimental about having women in combat, even though they, they treat them abysmally anyway. Um, but it's, in, it's an interesting scene because otherwise, other than the, the very obvious talking points that are parachuted in there, it's quite a nice scene because O'Neill, having gone through, you know, very aggressive training, is full guns blazing on to Haven. Um, she's basically like, you know, if, um, she, she asks, you know, why do you sell me out? I don't know what you mean. Um, why do you sell me out? You're going to have to ask someone else. If I have to ask someone else, I'm going to be asking it on C-SPAN. <laughs> and then they yeah. panic. So she's like, okay, yeah. let's have a little meeting here. Um, and basically O'Neill just, yeah, is literally walking out of the office towards the film cameras and she's like two paces away before Dehaven cracks and slams the door saying okay I'll get you back in the basically yeah. the deal was I'll keep my mouth shut if you just drop all charges and get me back in which Dehaven makes happen which you also make wonder what did Dehaven have to trade for that because she traded five yeah. military bases to get O'Neill kicked off yeah. how did she get it but she got her back in anyway clearly um, O'Neill's threat of, of exposing her was worth more because um it is implied that Dehaven has built a career on being this prominent feminist and advocate for, for women in the military so I guess having your poster girl come out and say she sold me out would be pretty bad pretty bad P- probably it sounds like it would be worse than losing 10,000 jobs yeah hell of a game of bring my shit please <laughs> yeah. uh, <laughs> But for someone I, for someone who's decided not to do any more impressions and to tone it down, you're not doing very well. I said I said I said I tone it down. I never promised I wouldn't do them anymore. <laughs> <laughs> but, yeah, um, and that's 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 the last we see of Dave. And next thing we see is O'Neill is yeah. is back amongst the unit, and uh, even though they they keep training, I mean it's it's a it's a cakewalk from here on in. They're just they've got one more mission to do, which is where they do kind of they get sent to the Mediterranean to do some test running around yeah, with guns yeah um, that's, that's right. it but in, in true oh, talk it, it's turn, style, it turns real it gets real because uh, all of a sudden um, <laughs> this is this is an interesting step i don't know if this is real or not but apparently uh, america has satellites with weapons grade plutonium in or uranium in them um and these satellites can fall out of the sky um and one such satellite has one sky in libya so um so, what, what are the chances i know <laughs> so uh, all the places it's a team of, well, I think they they follow all over the place. This one just happened to fall in Libya. They could be on in your back garden. But yeah, if, you, if you have weapons of great uranium land in your back garden with a US flag, just you know, give them a little call. They'll be able to collect it. Yeah. Or for a small fee. <laughs> <laughs> but the, uh, yeah, it's like the bins, isn't it? You go use the right kind of bag. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> would you put weapons of uranium in the green bag or would you put it in the blue bag? I would put it in the blue bag with the plastics and the, and the tin foil. You reckon? Yeah, I probably would as it's well. It's not cardboard, is it? It's not cardboard. It certainly isn't rubbish. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> oh, maybe you put it in. The, you wouldn't put it in the green waste, would you? Yeah, green. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh, no. no. Oh, I'll be terrible. But um, so this satellite is being rescued by a, a special forces team that's not this crew, but the crew who are off to their training mission are the nearest other military unit around so they're being used as backup so uh, master chief has to lead his his trainees into battle i mean this they're probably all qualified anyway haven't they they're all very they're all very qualified to do this um, well, they're all competent haven't they aren't they you know they're all, they're, it's not they're like all he's leading child soldiers into war for the first time they, but they're <laughs> no. um, yeah it's um, not dad's army or anything yeah. like that 
Although we do have a private bike in, uh, in Jim because <laughs> yeah. of health. Apparently. Yeah, that's true. But nonetheless, um, they're, they're off to, to provide cover for this rescue mission. And um, in doing so, Master Chief and O'Neill scout ahead and see you know, several trucks of Libyan soldiers tootling along the road about to run into the mission. So they have to kind of get back and warn the, uh, the satellite retrieval team to go yeah. somewhere else. But in the process of doing so, um, one of the, uh, the soldiers, I think, takes a little piddle break um, right next to the building where O'Neill is hiding out. And Master Chief has his sniper rifle viewing the situation and in radio contact with O'Neill saying, I'll take him out. Of course, if he knows if he fires his weapon, they'll know they're there and it's all the yeah. game is up. So O'Neill is basically saying, I've got my knife. I'll take care of it. Just let me let me do this. Um, and he basically, this is the interesting thing about the attitude in the military. Master Chief, at that point, kind of panics, even though he's being very calm. He basically yeah. says, this guy's too big for you to handle. He's on top of you. I'm taking him out. And he shoots him and he kills, he kills the guard before O'Neill has a chance to knife him silently and therefore compromises his own position. So Master Chief then runs off in one direction, pursued by three truckloads of, of Libyan soldiers. And O'Neill runs back in the other one to, to tell the satellite crew to go off in a different direction. Um, but they can't leave the chief behind. So um, so most of the most of the, most of the retrieval team go off to do their job. But O'Neill leads the cast of regulars to go and save Master Chief. Um, yeah. And in a, kind of a neat repri- reprieve of... Um, her initial, when we introduced her and she managed to predict where the soldiers would go, she intuits where Master Chief would go to evade capture. And therefore, the, the team were able to go ahead in advance and lay a big ambush to catch all the people as they come along. Um, but not before Master Chief has been shot in the leg and uh, and O'Neill has to run under fire and drag him to safety. Um, and then they kill all the bad guys and, and off they go um, into the helicopters as um, Master Chief is mumbling, I'll never live this down. <laughs> Yeah. Uh, and so the, the day is saved. Everyone's very happy. Um, oh, yeah. Even one of the, the the most the most sexist man um, in the, I think goes, "I'll go into war with you any day, Neil." Yeah, the most sexist man. Yes. What a prize! I think that that was his actual title in the film. Because Gisbell is the most stupid sexist man, and then there's also the most sexist sexist man. Cortez. Cortez. Cortez is the most sexist man, isn't he? Yeah. Um, and that, that's it. I mean, the next scene is is the, the traditional scene where they're all in their nice uniforms and uh, and it's Master the police Chief. academy scene, isn't it? <laughs> I was thinking more officer and gentleman, but it is oh, uh, yeah. it is that scene where he's he's handing out the, the badges, the tokens, or the um, ah, yeah. the uh, the blue Peter badges to the, to, to the crew as they all say thank you very much with the, with a tear in their eye. And um, it's a and nice then, coda, though, isn't it? There's a nice little coda at the end. There is when Demi Moore goes to her locker, O'Neill goes to her locker and finds a D.H. Lawrence book, a well-thumbed D.H. Lawrence book of poems, um, with the Master Chief's uh, military crosses, which is the medal he won uh, for saving another man. Um, he's he's gifted that to O'Neill. Um, and then with 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 misty eyes, she looks up and sees you know Master Chief in his dress whites, looking over his shoulder, and and there we go. And and the music swells in what is quite a romantic song. Yeah, um, it is. It's really it's, inappropriate. Yeah, um, and and that, that's the where we belong. <laughs> it's like that. Um, I will say, as, as I was watching through the credits, um, here's a here's a point for the uh, the sensibility of the film. Uh, Demi Moore is credited simply as Jordan, whereas all the men get to have their surnames. <laughs> really? Yeah, and this is again, this is Demi's character who was barely called Jordan. She's referred to as O'Neill for oh, the O'Neil. entire yeah, yeah. Neil or O'Neill, uh, and everyone else, you know, is Slovnik or Wickwire or Newbury or mm-hmm. uh, and but no, she's just called Jordan, which is not the first time happening to film. But I thought in this kind of film, it's very weird that got through the wire. That's a kick in the teeth, isn't it? <laughs> <laughs> as if anyone well, saying, "Who's O'Neill? That's a man's name." I, Demi Moore wasn't playing <laughs> yeah. O'Neill. Well, I mean, Jordan. Is potentially a man's name. And also a country. Maybe she was, you know. <laughs> Indeed, yeah. yeah. I thought it was Libya. Was 
Now I'm confused. Who was Demi Moore? Which one was she? Demi Moore had the nice hair. What would have the nice hair? Uh, I'd like it if she was called Libya O'Neill. <laughs> <laughs> it's got slight kind of sexual connotations to it. Sexual connotations? Well, Libya. Let's not let's let's, let's draw a veil over this. <laughs> and so doing, so we end we end the synopsis of uh, of um, of GI Jane. So uh, join us as we will be yes. uh, waking up at 0600 early to the, the sound of flashbangs and uh, and the grunts of who are for our analysis of the movie. Very good. Welcome back, dear listener. You have been privy to the synopsis of G.I.J. in all its glory. I've just done 75 one-handed press-ups, and I'm raring to go to deep dive into some of the themes and analysis of the film. But this was Hugh's choice for Volume 3, Episode 8, and I'm intrigued. Hugh, why G.I. Jane? Why G.I. Jane? Um... This, what comes as no surprise, was, again, a, a movie of my it's childhood. It's like a broken record, isn't it? <laughs> well, it's kind of the point of my half of the yeah, podcast, yeah. from my childhood. We're going we're gonna to run out of films. Surely, at some point, we're going to run out of films that you watched when you were a child. I watched a lot of movies in my childhood. And in the adolescence, this is, this is late 90s, so I was, uh, it was, uh, it was a politically astute you know, 16-year-old by the time this was coming out. Very good, very um, good. So I, but, I certainly watched it then, and I liked military films, and I quite like training films. It, there's a sense of progress as you go through it. Like like Sixteen years old, uh, and I actually yes, because I like military films. I do. Uh, hang on, Demi Moore's in this. <laughs> Give me any of this BS. <laughs> I, I like war films. I like the military. I was politically astute. I was a feminist. Absolutely. <laughs> Demi Moore's in this. <laughs> well, you can just park that attitude right now because there was the, the, the same year striptease came out, so both sides of the aisle were well accommodated. <laughs> And this that's worth mentioning because um, both this and Striptease were essentially the career ender, or at least the, the end of Demi Moore's first wave of career. She had a bit of a comeback, but she was enormous in the mid to late nineties in terms of her fame. And she was enormous in Striptease as well. But we won't on the cover of that. She was enormous on the cover of Vogue when she was pregnant. Oh uh, <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. But, that's true. Um, but yeah, in terms of her fame, she was you know above the headline, leading her own films, um, and yeah, quite the celebrity um, <clears throat> to the point where she, she could she could pick and choose her projects as she yes. chose these two. She was probably the well, I think she was the most successful female um, actor working in Hollywood in the mid nineties. Yeah, you know, she, she absolutely she was the most successful in terms of kind of what she could command in terms of a fee, uh, and was in some of the biggest films. Yeah. So again, this this one ended it. So I'm always I always like <laughs> something that ended it. We we like underdogs and weekend at Crombies. It was by Ridley Scott, who again really makes a bad movie. So I was interested in rewatching it to see a what went wrong or b what went right and wasn't appreciated. Um, again, a good military film, and I think again the reason that you picked your last film was we'd we'd had quite a lot of male protagonists. Um, and this of course has an overwhelmingly well, despite the fact that most of the cast are male, the overwhelmingly female yeah. protagonists. So again, worth a watch there too. And again, yeah. I actually quite I rate. Again, Demi Moore as an actress, Viggo Mortensen as an actor. I think they're they're both very good, and I think they, yeah. I think it will come to analysis. They didn't let themselves down in this film um, for all its shortfalls. Um, so that was yeah. basically the, the reason for picking it. Very good, very good. Um, and yeah, I, I noted uh, when I was doing a bit of research. Yes, I do do some research when we do this. It it washed its face, didn't it? It, so it was about fifty million dollars to make, and it made it made just under fifty million dollars back. 
Yeah, but so, I, think, I think in that case it didn't watch this face because normally oh, yes. with a marketing budget you've got to make twice That's as true. So it, it was a box office and critical failure in, in every possible way. It, it was, but but not not to not to the level of some of the films that we've seen yeah. on 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 uh, Weekend at Crombies. I mean, certainly a critical flop, absolutely yeah. box yeah. office. It probably it didn't do as well as it was expected to do. I think. Yeah. Um, but I mean, uh, Danny got got a Razzie Award for this. Um, which is unfair. I think that's harsh. Yeah, I think. But I think again that again, I mentioned as Razzies are probably a great indicator of quality. But I think this was almost again there was that turning point. So you know a lot of, I think again it may happen to actresses more than actors, but people go through a turning point where they again just cancelled because the public or something goes against it. They had a few flops yeah. and said, "Well, I'm sick of them now," and that's it. And they don't get. They don't get with Sandra Bullock, didn't it? Sandra Bullock got a Razzie for some film. Halle Berry as well. You know, it's yeah, happened a lot. Um, was it uh, Gwyneth Paltrow won an yeah. Oscar and cried, and that was enough for yeah. that one. Fed up with Gwyneth Paltrow, she's always crying. And then, like, um, it's 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 a very fine line to what the nineties was very vicious for things that when yeah. you consider now the kind of things that celebrities come out with, you know, sort of like massively racist or or abusive or sexist things. The nineties was very critical on minor infractions. I, I, I would say probably harsher on um, actresses than than on actors as well. Indeed. Actually, very 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 quick to judge. Yeah. But nonetheless, this this was kind of this rang the bell on um, ha, so to speak. career. But um, but yes, to, to dive right into the yeah. So tell the, us about tell us about the film. What 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 are your what are your thoughts and, and and your kind of perceptions of the film? There's a lot. It's it's a film with with a lot of um. It's there's a lot to talk about with this film. I think. Yeah. Again, it's, it's where to begin. I think what you've got really. Again, uh, it's, it's hard to say. I don't think really it had the chops to be a femi- the feminist film it wanted to be. Yes. Whether that's due to the writing or, again, the sensibilities of the the, the director or whether um, they just um, didn't get the support to do it, you know, got killed in the rewrites or anything. Um, it, it felt like it wasn't quite there. And when you mm-hmm. consider that Ridley Scott has done yeah, Thelma and Louise for, which obviously yeah. you know, hit a lot more feminist buttons than that and did it much more successfully. And um, Alien as well, you know, yes, strong, that's true. strong yeah. female lead. So again, it's not like he's incapable of, of, of mm-hmm. getting sensibility. Um, but it's, again, we've mentioned before, the, the, the talking points seem really heavily handed thrown in there. Um, and in fact... Yeah, not only were they, were they, you know, when they're having these kind of debates that seemed out of character for these characters to have, things like, you know, when the military chiefs are discussing, you know, how much they hate women or whatever, it felt like that was a needed too, because in fact yeah. the system is is the thing that works against it. You know, everything about what O'Neill is walking into is hostile to her and working against her, and you have to be an extraordinary mm. character to overcome this. And in fact that you don't need the military chiefs twirling their moustaches and plotting against her. They just need to let it happen because they, they do. It's exactly right. They just need to let it happen. Yeah, I agree. Yeah. So, so that, 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 so, and in that sense, you either have a film that's probably centered more around Anne Bancroft's Senator, whereby she's driving forward the, the feminist agenda to get women in the military. And then you have those arguments about people won't accept it. People will accept yeah. it. It's shown to them and this kind of stuff. And maybe, yeah, you have that twist that actually the, the Senator is really just using it to, to further her own career. Or you have a much more straightforward story about O'Neill, who is determined to gut out an incredibly grueling um, training sex program and, and wins the respect of her peers by doing yeah. so. And I think moshing them together doesn't quite work for a couple of reasons. One, we didn't see enough of the Anne Bancroft stuff. And it's not the main story anyway. So it was it was kind of given yeah. too much prominence and not enough because it begins with her. It begins dead center on Anne Bancroft doing this and she's the driver of the plot, but she's not the protagonist. 
Demi Moore is the yeah. protagonist. Yeah. And we don't see O'Neill. O'Neill is very passive. She is she, she this thing happens to her. She doesn't she's not fighting, she's not banging on the door. She applied for, for combat training, but she doesn't say, I want this course and mm. I'm gonna get to my career. She's offered it and says, Well, I'll do it, then I'll do this. Mm. And she she does it, she grits her way through it through endurance, and then she she wins. You know, but um the character of O'Neill doesn't actually change. At the beginning, she's very competent. She's clearly physically very capable and she's very determined. And she's that for the entire film. There was no, apart from shaving her head and doing some more chin-ups, she hasn't changed at all as a character. She's yeah. the same competent, strong-willed survivor um, that she was at the beginning. Um, and it's strange to have that happen to someone who you're, and I think maybe that's why, and it's not that Demi will give a bad performance. She, she's very believable in this and she certainly went through again, a physical transformation because yeah. she did she did properly beef up to be credible as O'Neill, but she didn't get a lot to sink her teeth into because there was almost no moment when O'Neill didn't just have to be really tough. And it's stranger with that. She, she, this, and this is going to sound a little bit contradictory, but despite her being the main protagonist and it being about the physicality of the training, she's a very passive protagonist. Things happen to her and she reacts to them. And a lot of it is about her physicality in that regard, I suppose. But she she she's apart from the apart from a few instances where she is um, having a confrontation with the chief, with the actual kind of the, the, the chief of the, the the whole kind of um, I can't remember the guy's name now, but the, 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 the head honcho. And, you know, she's holding her own there oh, and with the same. That's it. Yeah. yeah. And with the and with the. Um, um, uh, the conversations that she has with Anne Bancroft, she, she she suffers and she puts up with it and she kind of gets through it really more than anything else. But even the, um, even those confrontations is is basically just more obstacle courses. It's for more her. obstacle she, she, courses she, for her. yeah. She, she right. confronts the chief of the base because she wants equal treatment. She yeah. confronts the center to get back on the program. There's there's never. And they're, they're both reactive things. They're, they're, they're counter punches, not not assertive stuff. Um, and again, it's, it's, it's almost how it's funny. The, the thing she does that, if you like, wins the mission was, the, was you know, when she interprets where um, Master Chief would run in the hills yeah. is the same skill she displayed. She had right at the start. So yeah. if the lesson is she's a valuable asset in the field and we should have all accept that from the beginning. She didn't need to go through hell to prove that. But that's not much for her. That, that's it was, again, the, the line from Master Chief saying she's not the problem. We all are. Everyone else has to learn. The entire yes. the squad and the, the master chief and some expect the the politicians learn and learn and change a little bit, but she doesn't. She she just is is what she is. Yeah, I I, I agree with you. And for me, I think what you've described there is the critical it's the critical point and how its kind of feminist credentials are kind of undermined. Actually, so. For me, the most problematic aspect of the film is that for her, it's and it's an it's an insistence throughout the film that is writ large in the training montages and in the end, the way that she's successful as well, in the sense that it's the insistence that for her to be successful, she needs to adhere to the military focus of what it is to be a man. So everything in the film is about Demi Moore being masculine, being more physically able, being more physically adept, growing her body in that regard, and also being more aggressive in the way that she is militaristically as well. And this is exemplified significantly in the scenes where they're on the training 
and they're doing a kind of real life training but training nevertheless where um master chief and max pyro are um they've captured them and she's being beaten up and she's you know she's she fights back and she says you know suck my dick and that for me is the epitome of that particular view in the film which is for her to be successful she has to be like a man yeah um and that really does undermine the kind of feminist credentials of the film because in the end what is proven is that the way that she has been successful yes yes she's gone through all of the training and yes she has overcome the physical obstacles to be the equal of the men in a militaristic fetishistic kind of way which is very toxically masculine i guess but in the end the way that she's successful is by utilizing the skills that she utilized at the start of the film in the uh, reconnaissance office um and actually as well as all of the training and stuff like that, if if the film was much more about showing what the process is of recruiting women into the military and what and what that actually means, and it says in the sense it might not be about women being just like men, or 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 women adhering to what the masculine view is, but actually women women being themselves and bringing their um feminism to that that's a different film that's probably not what audiences want it probably isn't what would have funded the film either but actually the fact that throughout the film she has to be a man totally undercuts the feminist credentials of the film she's at every single opportunity being a man yeah that's interesting and actually they there's there's... why can't she be a woman why can't she just be a woman i'm not saying that she has to acknowledge that being a woman means that she's going to have yeah. to have like you know the stool to help her go up over the, yeah. the wall. I don't mean that, but what is she bringing to it other than trying to be a man? Well, this is the thing. There's a few moments when they 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 um they when if you were watching this you know cold, the only differentials you would have between O'Neill and the other recruits is she is more compassionate. Again, they they try and they yeah. make it different. They try and show what is traditionally feminine feminine qualities. She she shares basically when they're all starving, they're grabbing food. She sneaks them away, but when she's eating it in, in private she shares some with the guy shares it, yeah. um, shares i think when, yeah, when one of the guys is in, injured his leg and is basically out of the program she she's more c- concerned about is he okay rather than yeah. you know so this kind of stuff um so they, they they show those snippets but in fact that seemed to be like well she's a woman therefore she cares more but actually it, it was the intel stuff that was kind of well this is o'neill's kind of special trait yeah yeah and and it's not and, and you know her, her intel um kind of instincts and knowledge it has nothing to do with the fact that she's a woman yeah. it's because she's skilled at that yeah. and so and so and so why does she need to be anything other than a skilled reconnaissance expert in the field you know yeah. that might be where she is fantastically beneficial yeah. and actually the, the, the film undercuts it again um in a problematic way when um again the scene the scene of master chief of vigo mortensen saying to uh, her colleagues you know i'm i'm doing you a favor guys i'm doing you a favor this is what's going to happen this is what's going to happen she's a liability because in that situation she is going to be used as a weapon you know soldiers might rape her for example she's going to be used as a weapon and at the end that's exactly what happens he is concerned about her physicality and yeah. so shoots shoots the libyan soldier yeah. Whereas actually the better thing would just be for her to silently knife him. Yeah. So he hasn't learned. 
that was th- that was I thought was interesting. It wasn't again. It, it was inconsistent, but then again, people are inconsistent. You know, he, yeah. he may have yeah. said he may he may have learned his lesson, but he actually hasn't. When it, when it comes down to physical danger, his instinct still is to protect O'Neill because he doesn't see her as yes. Private Wickwire or Slovnik or yeah. anyone he would exactly. trust to take on exactly. that knife. And um, by protecting her, he's endangered himself and the others. Yeah. So it's actually he's proven right. Yeah, he's proven right that he is the problem. And again, which is. I'd get which is why on if this had if this had if this film had had I guess more heft, then maybe that would have that would have more heft, didn't it? If this had appeared halfway through the film, that would like if if they if she'd she'd qualified much quicker and they'd got a few less training montages, but in fact it was not just about the armies being beasted to her. Can she get it out? It was fact she is now an operating in in a combat zone. How is everyone actually reacting when it actually matters? And it turns out they still though they may accept her as a qualified expert and this kind of stuff they still panic a bit because she's around yeah. yeah that's a bit more of a head scratcher it is a bit more of a head scratcher it's a much more interesting concept in the film as well because i think it would raise very interesting moral conversations in, in, in viewers as well because in that regard you, you you would you would almost applaud the film for being morally ambiguous deliberately morally ambiguous or asking the viewer to make a decision about what would you do in this situation as well because yeah. in it, uh, what you know, I'm never going to be in the military. I'm certainly not going to be in the American military. I'm certainly not going to be a Navy SEAL, etc., cetera, etc. Cetera. Not with that attitude. Not with that attitude. No, you're right. But can I honestly say? Can I honestly say to myself that if I was in the same situation, I wouldn't have reacted in the same. I'm not talking about the scene in the when they're training and and, and Master Chief is is acting diabolically. Yeah. But I mean, at the end where he shoots the Libyan soldier because he's concerned that. Um, O'Neill isn't physically strong enough to overcome him. Would I have acted any differently? I don't. I can't answer that question, obviously, because I've I'll never been in that situation. But I would imagine the reality would be a lot of people would think, yeah, I'd, yeah. I'd act the same way. Now that's an interesting moral debate to have. Yeah, because that that scenario is all about what what faith he has in O'Neill. Because as soon as she leaps yeah, out with a knife, he can't shoot the guy. It's all it'll all be a tangle then. He's either got to do it then and compromise himself, or trust that she can she is capable of a taking a life and b overpowering a much larger person. Um, and and it, yes, and then the reaction to that kind of ends up in a, in a a, 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 you know, a a blockbuster firefight. So it, all everything works out fine. They kill the bad guys, they blow stuff up, and they drag him out of the, the combat zone. Yeah. So it's all it all all works out for the best. But it's it's interesting if that we that then compromises the mission. Um, it does because no lesson has been learned. So yes, um, you know O'Neill at the end has passed, and uh, Master Chief has as you know has given him given her the the. Uh, I, I the, did think the whole the, D.H. Lawrence and medal thing was an odd ending. Because it's an odd ending, but I want to see. I, I'm I'm with you. I want to see the next mission that they're on. Yeah, where something similar, a similar situation happens. What happens then? Does everyone just go? No, it's O'Neill. She's fine. Yeah. Well, interestingly, repeatedly, this is this was an alternate ending was filmed by Ridley Scott and and cancelled mm-hmm. by um, the studio, whereby um, O'Neill was in the same situation as the ending, but was killed in combat. And um, the next shot is, you know, Senator De Haven eulogizing her on the camera, saying what a brave, wonderful example she was. And then we cut to Master Chief drilling his next batch of recruits. And as the camera pans over, there were three women in the recruits. Right. OK. So that's, so that's more, interesting, isn't that's, it? Yeah. That's, it's much more, again, of a not, well, downbeat slash bittersweet ending, much more in the line of Thelma and Louise, in fact. Um, yeah. Whereby, you know, Neil dies. <laughs> but that's the only way to prove herself, if you like. Um, mm. She's got to kill herself to get to get accepted. Although, interestingly, yeah. um, again, nothing of Thelma and Louise, and indeed of Alien too, is those characters rang a lot 
truer and also truer. a lot resonated yes. because yes. they were all flawed. Um, Ripley yes, in the first absolutely. film makes a lot of bad calls and yes, yet she gets her way through it. Yes. Both Thelma and Louise make a lot of mistakes on their road yes. trip. Um, yes. And in, ad- in addition to the, the forces pressing against them, but you're still rooting for them. You're still with them. Of course. It's, it, yes, absolutely. It's much more realistic because they are human beings making yeah. flawed decisions in extreme circum- yeah. circumstances. Yeah. And they happen to be women. They're, that's a far more strongly feminist narrative yeah i do think we were there was never a moment of doubt that o'neill would physically oh, yeah. be unable to complete the trainings and there's no more you know we see lots of montages of her doing chin-ups with snarling with agony that she's doing this and the medical says you know you, you've got all the usual things you've you know got tendonitis you've got jungle rot in your foot and you and this kind yeah, of stuff but, we, yeah, but yeah. So she shows how tough she is but again we we never think she's incapable of doing this. there's no one where she's like sitting there oh my god i'm in such agony i'm so tired i don't want to do this anymore um yeah there's none yeah. of that. There's none of that because I would imagine that the 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 male counterparts also go through those things as well, yeah. right? Because um, but, 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 but none of them do. But half the class drop out. There's, there's, there's yeah, they do. Yeah. But we yeah. don't get a lot of them. But they, they, they look at this way of like, you know, I've been through all this and I'm a, I'm a trained operative who's been in elite forces. But this is too much for me. I can't take this anymore. Um, yeah. There was a moment um, when she's given command of the crew, basically um, because of injuries or dropouts, her, the, the existing chief of the crew, I think they're, they're divided into boats, crews of six, and the existing chi- her existing commander is switched out and she's now the senior officer. So she's in charge. And um, Master Chief makes a comment saying there are no, he's almost sincere, he's not actually for the first time having a go at it, saying there's no bad crews, only bad leaders. Yeah. Um, and I guess in a different film, again, probably if, if, if Neil was a man, there would be a thing where she has to grow into the leadership of the role and win them mm. over. And she doesn't really do that. They're, they're, she yeah. wins over their kind of, not quite affection. She wins their respect when she doesn't break into torture. And she basically convinces them she knows what she's doing in the field. But there's not a moment when she brings together the disparate crew members. And I think that's partly the fault of um, the crew. The, the film doesn't flesh out any of her trainee people with it. Again, you, you notice the yeah. occasional one because they're portrayed in a bit of a silly way or they're overtly misogynistic but there's not really you couldn't pick a name saying i know exactly what that guy's like unlike other other military movies where they try and focus in on the team which then uh, memphis bell for example memphis bell is a great example yeah there's 10 yeah. of them and you you, you can you know all of them don't you? Yeah. yeah um so there's, there's no team building moment and they're not saying it needed one but it, to make a point saying it would be a challenge for anyone to do something that was yeah. outside her scope because we don't think she's experienced commanding you know a military unit she can do everything else but she hasn't got that yet and she doesn't really assume command even in the very fight she, she's kind of co-commanding with another boat leader mm. um, and she's kind of asking for reaffirmation shall we do this plan i think we'll do this plan and that could have been a moment where o'neill takes command and it's just it's something for a trove of camera something for her to do that she didn't have before and that nothing was made of that no nothing's made of it and in the end it becomes the physicality of it again doesn't it it becomes the fact that she's trying to be like a man i suppose no, no, really, no, no. You know. once again it's it's it falls back on um she's the one that runs to save master chief so once again it's on from the compassion aspect um, yeah. all the other guys are busy killing the enemy but she's the one that, that goes on to save yeah. him yeah yeah uh, uh, yeah i i think that that's there, there's a there's a problematic nature to the film there is, it, is it, i mean what what anything else about the themes the, the, the feminist the feminist credentials are undermined quite regularly in the film i would say i've for me, um, it, it, I don't know whether this is—I don't know whether this is a bigger deal or not—but um, than than the kind of the the, the insistence that that Jordan O'Neill has to perform equally to a man in all instances. 
but nevertheless i do find it problematic in the sense that for, for a film that is purporting to be very as as feminist as it is and it makes me think i don't know whether it is actually purporting to be a feminist film or not but anyway um it's the it's the kind of l- luring undercurrent of sexuality uh that is um Ridley Scott's camera on Demi Moore. Now, it is inevitable if you're going to cast Demi Moore that there will be an element of sexualization of the Jordan O'Neill character. She is supposed to be a woman and you are uh, she's supposed to be a beautiful woman, I guess, because you are introduced to her early on um, by Anne Bancroft describing her as, you know, um, stockings and all. So she, you know, she's she, she she's not the butch um physical kind of specimens that that has been turned down she has she has beauty i guess but i suppose for me it's the kind of it's the the lingering camera on her doing the kind of one arm press, uh, press ups <laughs> the, the 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 sweat the the kind of close ups on her derriere as she's doing the the squat thrusts and the um the sit ups i don't know it 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 countered to what i thought the film was trying to do a little bit and there's one particular scene where she's in the shower and um, Viggo Mortensen's Master Chief comes in and tells her that she's going to lead the group in the training uh, session. And, you know, she turns around. She's totally nude. She turns around. And I, I thought it's kind of unnecessary because and I get what it's trying to do in the sense that it's trying to say she has she almost has to behave normally because she's the only female in this entire place. But do the men not shower? You, you don't see the men yeah, I want equality of nudity, as, as is always the case. But you don't see that. It's always the it's always the woman. Yeah. So I think I was, that, that that kind of takes away from it as well a little bit. The yeah, the funny thing is, it's it's almost that Starship Trooper scene when all the guys, all the actually the men and women are shouting together because it shows oh, they're just yeah. um, endless sacks of meat to go into the meat grinder to be shooting. <laughs> yes. But again, yes. it's in in this reality, O'Neill basically treats it like no big deal. Like, yeah, I'm showering, so what? But yeah. also, it never it never actually then addresses the point that O'Neill might think, I really have to pretend it's no big deal. <laughs> Sometimes yeah. it might be a big deal, but I've got yeah. to pretend it's not, because otherwise they go, yeah. oh, she's ashamed, you know, we're all yeah. doing this together. So it's... it. it when, it why wouldn't it be a big deal? Coin. It'd be a big deal, wouldn't it? Yeah. It's like, <laughs> of course I'm it'd be a big deal. <laughs> I know, yeah. Yeah. And, you know, he's he's not, like, knocked on the door. He's just walked in. Yeah. He's walked in on having a shower. Yeah, I suppose if, if he'd gone outside saying, you know, are, are, you, are you available to talk only? She goes, I'm in the shower, just come in, I don't care. That'd be one thing. Yeah, yeah that'd be one thing, wouldn't it? Yeah. So I'm walking in and I'm looking at you and I might say a few words now. Yeah, it's so there's there's that that I find I find slightly problematic in it. Anything else from your perspective with regards to the themes or the analysis of the, the film? The stylistic of it, actually. Um, yeah. And this is actually not really meant as a dig at either director because I respect them both or I enjoy mm. both their films. But it, if I was to watch this cold, I would. Oh, I know what you're going to say. I know exactly you know what exactly. you're going to say. I do, I do, because I've written this down. I know exactly what, you, what, what you're going to say. What would you say here. about this film? I, I would say that it's a Tony Scott film, not a Ridley Scott film. Bingo. <laughs> yeah. <Yes. laughs> this is absolutely right. From the get go. It was the, yeah. the, 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 the montage. I mean, visually stunning. Uh, the oh, yeah, montages yeah. and the music and yeah. uh, the, 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 the kind of. The, the, I guess the fetishization of both it's, military and yeah. people and endurance and stuff is yeah. much more Tony Scott's bag than it is Ridley Scott. And maybe it was oh, like, yeah. I'm going to show him I can do it too. Maybe it is. I mean, you know, you've got Top Gun. Uh, um, Days of oh, Thunder. yeah. D- Days of Thunder. Yeah, exactly. This is absolutely a Tony. This is a Tony Scott film. I'm amazed this is directed by Ridley Scott, actually. Um, and yeah, I'm not, I'm not having a go at Tony, <laughs> Tony Scott. Scott. He, makes, yeah. he makes good films, right? He does. I really um, enjoy him. Yeah, exactly. But they are a different type of film. For me, a Tony Scott film is an MTV style 
music mashup extravaganza. It's pure entertainment. It's empty. It's fluff, but it looks great. And at the end of it, you feel fantastic, and you've gone, yes, this is this is what I wanted to watch. This is brilliant. A Ridley Scott film, you might expect it also to be fantastic to watch, but it might have a more refined edge to it. It might be more thought provoking. They do different things. Yeah. But this is absolutely straight up a Tony Scott film. Yeah. So that that was um, and I think yeah, it's um. I think we've covered a lot of the bases because, in fact, it's it's not really shallow enough was to, to enjoy as it's a true spectacle of, of the team getting through it. Um, but it doesn't quite dive deep enough in either the politics or the characters for you to really mm. be left asking a lot of questions. You kind of you just go through it. Like I say, because the protagonist is quite ill served by what they have to do, um, you're not left really with much to carry with it. Um, yeah. And. It, yeah, I think they could have it could have gone either direction. It, and, it could yeah. have, yeah. It, could have. it felt to me, it felt like watching two hours of a two-hour ten-minute trailer for a film. Yeah, that, that I was about to watch. <laughs> yeah. it's like, okay, so that's the trailer to the film I'm now going to watch. What what's the film? Yeah. It was it was slightly odd like that. Um, and then, I, anyways, I, in, on the positives. It's, yes. The montages are good. They're, they're, oh, if you yeah. like a good montage, they're fun to watch. Um, again, Demi Moore does a, a good a good shift as someone who is grinding out the, the you know the tough training, and you you believe it credibly. It's not, for example, Goldie Hawn in Private Benjamin. Um, <laughs> no, and, it isn't. No. And um, again, Viggo Mortensen again because this this certainly is is a genre of film. It's it's not a lot, but it's that that kind of you know boot camp film. Um, you you like a good drill instructor too, and and Viggo Mortensen a is quite good at that. You know, he's in in kind of you know um, stalking around being beastly and saying random things to confuse and and um and belittle the, the, the men and also i did think actually the the um the torture scene where he's basically reduced down to quite a pathetic figure which is never is, happens yeah. in these films They're the the, the, yeah. the drill instructor always knows best um he's always you know i'm doing this to save your lives and, and in fact by the time he's pleading with his own recruits was thought such an inversion it it wasn't really followed through any further but that felt like oh this is a bit different this is something actually yeah. worth paying attention to I, 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 um, so I'll, I'll go through some of the positives for me as well. I, I actually thought, I thought, I thought, um, Demi Moore was great in this. Um, and I'm not, I'm not sure that she's perfectly cast, or I, I can at least see why there might, there might be some kind of, um, I don't know, controversy around, around casting. Of interest. Who, who in the late nineties would have been a good cast for this then? Yes. So I actually, interestingly, had this exact same conversation with Emma, uh, my wife, because um, I was saying that... Is, I, it, I is think... Emma in the back writing her memoirs? <laughs> yeah, can you hear the pen boom? Oh, sorry. Oh, yeah. that was a typewriter. <laughs> no. Um, I, and I, I was trying to think of a late 90s... Oh, it, it would be someone maybe like... It, no. No, I don't know. I, I can't... Really think. It would be someone like... Weaver, you? Cause that's, that's, I, I was, I was, but that's probably... That's, that's too late. Yeah, or, or or either that, or I was going to say Linda Hamilton, but that wouldn't have worked either because um, obviously that's that's the eighties as well. So it might, it, you know, it, it might well have been, it might well be that actually Demi Moore was the only effective casting decision that could have been made for that role. And to be honest, she, she, I think she's really good in it. I think she's great in it. I think the fact that she got the Razzie is an absolute travesty because. Yeah irrespective of what you think of her acting skills in this film and look she's you know she's never going to win an oscar for it she embodies the role she commits to it yeah. she's believable and she's t- 
tough in that film. You know, you, you believe that she's gone through a lot of that stuff, and I think she's done a good job in it. I was far more convinced by Demi more than I was Viggo Mortensen, I've got to say, yeah. um, in, in that context. Um, and in fact, again, if we talk about, again, her star power, um, yeah, for, for at least 90% of this movie, she looks terrible. There's no ego in the way that, you know, she doesn't artfully wear her bruises and the cuts. For, you know, a lot of the movie when she's been messed up, she looks properly messed up. And is, is, is Yeah, particularly after the fight with, um, yeah. with uh, Mortensen. She, yeah, she does. It, she, you know, there's no, there's no hiding from that. The other things I liked about the film, and this is a weird thing to say. Well, the, the first one is I really like the start of the film. I know that we said that we, didn't, we don't meet um, Jordan O'Neill. Yeah. for a little bit but but the, the film started at a real pace and i oh. thought if this continues like this this is going to be rip-roaring entertainment this is going to be a real romp yeah. um and in some respects i'm glad it slowed down a little bit because it, even even after they join the camp and you get the montage it's still going at an incredible pace and it needed to slow down a little bit but i really Although, enjoyed yeah, that first yeah. half an hour Yes, although by that point, actually, it's funny. The montages, in effect, slow the film down. I suppose uh, they do. They don't tell you anything new, do they? Yeah, they, they, they just—they just make. They're trying to make you feel a certain way. But in fact, you're, yeah. you're right. The, the the way they race through, and again, maybe if we talk about whether that was needed or not in the film, whether you could re- whether you could remove all that and just have it as a story of O'Neill, or go deeper into that and have the, the machinations behind it. Um, and it felt like they were just trying to rush it out of the way so we understood how a woman was in the special forces. Because you could have begun with O'Neill first day at boot camp, and then just the commander goes, it appears there's a new policy in the military, we've got to try this out. And that could be that. You didn't almost yeah. need it understood by the... You just accept it. Like, um, O'Neill is in them is in the special forces she's going to do yeah. the training yeah why do you need what yeah why do you need why why do you need the Anne Bancroft subplot at all actually in many ways I mean it, well, well, quite... you put it in there to give O'Neill a defeat mid-movie so she can overcome it it didn't Which, need it though it didn't would, need it well again it, it, sorry um well, O'Neill, O'Neill could have had her own personal defeat. You know, it, yes. It's a very tough training regime. She might yes. have thought, I don't want to do this anymore and had it internally. Whereas once again, it was um, it was imposed upon her from without. It was imposed upon her from without, yeah. It could have been, the, the, the defeat could have been, I don't know, she passes the course, she goes on the first um, live operation and one of her one of her team is killed. And it's, you know, it's partially her fault. And so therefore she has to, you know, get over that it could be something like that really well, I guess. where again master chief well, shot someone because yeah. yeah. she couldn't yeah. them on and realizes that maybe she can be as competent as she likes but if everyone else around her is panicking because she's there it's going to yeah. be it's hard for her to do her job um i don't know if you've mentioned yeah, right. again, yeah. that razzie notwithstanding demi moore considers this film her proudest achievement uh, but you know what I, uh, why not right yeah yeah why not she's she's good in it i mean I, I i don't particularly buy into the politics of it i think it is militarily militaristically fetish yeah yeah uh, that's fetishized fetishized yeah and you know if I, if I was if i was into that kind of thing this would be an absolute wet dream i guess really but it, it you know it but she's good in it um the, the other and, thing and, I again, to... though, though i think she's a good actress the film she she blocked this would never earth shattering there, there was never that killer or no, movie. Right, she was yeah i mean very decent proposal um ghost. Ghost, yeah, I suppose. But, but having said that, having said that though, Hugh, is indecent proposal is is Ghost? Would they have been your cup of tea? Because they weren't really my cup of tea. So I can understand Ghost why I'm not invested. Ghost was a lot of people's cup of tea, though. Ghost was a huge cup of tea. 
Well, it, it was, but it was certainly it, it certainly it, it connected to a particular demographic, I think. Oh, and yeah. um, like my sister, for example, would quite can quote now Ghost um, the script from from Ghost, probably start to finish. Do, do you know what I mean? Whereas I had no interest in it whatsoever. But that, I can't fault Demi Moore for that. Yeah, <laughs> it's it's a bit like saying. Um, you know, I, I, I hate Clint Eastwood because he was in the Bridges of Madison County. That's not for me, is it? That film. Yeah, but right? I think again, yeah. my point was she was sugar. She started off with one of the Brat Packers in the eighties, so she was you know one of one of many. And then when she kind of broke into an actual a name you'd recognise, she wasn't the most important actor in Ghost. She was probably the, the fulcrum around a decent proposal, but that was around probably the concept more than anything else. Yeah. Likewise, Disclosure was again Michael so, Douglas, but also a concept movie. Uh, and in fact, it's funny that I'm trying to think maybe her only kind of above the above the fold where she was the name and the face of the movie was G.I. Jane and Striptease, and that was probably too much for the public to take, and they they um they candor. Yeah, I mean, Striptease is a terrible film. But... It is a terrible film, yeah. <laughs> that, that, <laughs> that was too bad even for Weekend at Crombie's. Yeah, I know, even for that, yeah, because that's obviously bad. The, 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 the other thing I just wanted to mention about G.I. Jane as well is, is that um, I, have, I have these... There are some films that um, I, I, I know I'm going to give them a very low score. Um, and usually I can, I can deal with a film if it's poorly acted, poorly scripted, badly directed i can deal with all of that stuff if there's something in it that you know makes me think well okay they were trying all of the all of the crew were trying in that there are other films where i have a moral obligation to dislike them in the sense that they are in some way sexist homophobic they make moral decisions that that are, that are believed they make poor moral decisions that are believed actually to be the right decision and so on and so forth now gi jane it covers almost all of the things that would normally make me hate a film but i didn't hate it and I, it, I thought the film was actually entertaining. And despite the fact that I think the film is profoundly homophobic, um, right from the start when Anne Bancroft is making decisions about which which um, person to choose, and you know she's basically saying that she can't choose the lesbians because they're really butch, from all the way through the film, Demi Moore's character, Jordan O'Neill, is homophobic in the film regularly. She says things that are homophobic. Um, I think it's sexist. I think it's. I think it's despicably sexist, actually. But I also found myself at the end thinking I was quite entertained by that, and that's unusual. So it must have had something about it. Yeah, I do think. Again, I, I wouldn't argue against the homophobia, but I think this was of of its time. Yeah, it was so big in the American military, and given it's used as a plot point that that drives out of the the, the, the training program, um, it was ramped up a bit because I think Anne Bancroft says, you know, we we can't have any embarrassments. You can't, you know, if you find out to be lesbian, we we get kicked out. So mm. it, it that was into there, but yeah, yeah. It's, um, the fact the it fact might, it might be reflecting the cultural um, norm rather than actually I don't know purporting it. Yeah, um, but I think again, I found the um, my wife also clocked the fact they were looking at the pictures to begin and were only choosing the pretty candidates. Yeah, uh, yeah, but me having seen the film before, clocked that as a moment that's your foreshadowing that Anne Bancroft's heart really isn't in the feminist cause. Yeah, that's doing true. This she popular. That's a fair point. That's a fair point. Um, yeah. So I mean, in in the end, I, it, when when the when the um, the ridiculously romantic song came up at the end, I thought, well, you know what? I, I, that was two hours. I don't regret. Yeah. Um, you know, so uh, that's 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 to its credit, I guess. Really, I can't quite pinpoint why, but that's to its credit. Um, yeah, I, so. yeah, yeah. Go on. I just, yeah, I, I, I agree. I think I felt it was it it meant well, 
but it was yeah. quite hand-fisted in what it did. But I think yeah, because, yeah. because of the, the, the kind of the talent that was shoveled into the movie, yeah. brought, brought it up. It couldn't. Not, it was very hard for it not to be entertaining, given again it's directed by Ridley Scott. It's got Demi Moore in the lead. It it yeah. did well there, um, but it it didn't really, you know, a, a lesser director and a lesser actor yeah. could have made this complete shambles. It was. Um, I, I think you've hit the nail on the head. It meant well, but it was a bit hand-fisted, yeah. and that's quite endearing. To a certain extent. <laughs> Are there any other films that you think would be good accompaniments to this? Uh, yeah, I thought about this. I mean, in a way, the obvious one was Officer and a Gentleman, because that's the mm. other big military training film. And I think, interestingly, from the, again, the gender point of view, because Richard Keir doesn't have the, the kind of the, the, the sexism to get over, they have to give his um, Mayo something different. He has to overcome class and the feeling yeah, good yeah. And that, of course, gives him a much greater arc. Um, so you feel his his journey a lot more, um, which is one of the issues with this. But so that's a training, a good training thing. Uh, what was the other thing, um, a contemporary film I had I thought of this? Um, gone blank again now. Uh, oh, yes. Um, right about the same time. Oh, here's someone who could have gone. Um, Courage Under Fire is a similar type of movie right at the same time. That was Does that have, um, oh, Ryan. what's his name? Yeah, Meg Ryan, yes. Um, yes. And so that was, um, it wasn't, kind of inverted commas a woman in the military story but it kind of was it was a bit less explicit um yeah and so that was that was actually a more interesting watch i think it was more successful too hence it's um not we get at crumbies but that was i guess it, it given a same type i think probably a couple of years between it it's a similar type of, of, of a film in a similar type of age so probably makes a very good companion piece to compare and contrast um and i guess if you're looking for a much more shallower um you know the women are in the same program as the men and they get one over on them. Oh, then there was some yeah. called feds um, that had... Uh, <laughs> yes! Back in the morning. You know, oh, Hugh. Oh, no. Am I calling it? Well, Sheds was going to be a uh, a Weekend at Crombie's film. For Sheds, yes. Reca- Rebecca de Mornay. Sheds. Um, sorry, Feds. Did I say Sheds? sheds? <laughs> Did I say Sheds? Sheds, sheds several times. Fifty Sheds of Grey. Sorry. Feds with Rebecca de Mornay. Did I say sheds? I think that might be your, your South London accents coming out there. Maybe, yeah, yeah. Uh, yeah, it, I mean, that failed absolutely miserably, didn't it? But, oh, yeah. Um, uh, yeah, who's the other woman in that? Oh, I can't remember what her name is now. Mary Goss, that's it. Well, like a uh, comedian at the time. Pizza consumed in that movie. Yeah, no, absolutely. So, yeah, um, how about yourself? So uh, you've mentioned one of the films that I was going to uh, suggest as uh, an accompaniment. It's um, Starship Troopers, Um, just as a a good example of a a film that I think actually um, owns the the ridiculousness of the story, I guess, really. I think perhaps what G.I. Jane lacks a little bit is, is a bit of kind of it takes itself a bit too seriously, perhaps, where Starship Troopers doesn't. Um, there, there's of course the kind of if you know the classic film which is split in two the first half of which is the training the second half of which is the operation and that's obviously full metal jacket not yes. quite the same kind of film but you know you, you could argue that there's a there, there's a good there's a good kind of double there i guess really of course yeah, it's just the uh the definitive shouting drill instructor <laughs> it, is, it is yeah who is that who is that lee lee, lee um, no because is it Lee Emmerich? Yeah, we, we're struggling today, aren't we? You know, um, it's the heat. It is the heat, yeah. <laughs> uh, yeah, so, I mean, you know, Viggo Mortensen is um, certainly no Arlie, uh, Arlie Ermey. Oh, that's it. 
That's yes. his Ali. <laughs> wow, we are, we are flailing on the names. Okay. <laughs> yeah, aren't we? Anyway, there we go. I think we better call it a day, haven't we? Because yeah, um, so... uh, we, we are struggling for names. I've called Feds Sheds. Um, <laughs> you, you, you've, called, you've called our... Uh, who is it? Arlie, Ermy, um, Roland Emmerich. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> That's what I was thinking. Of. Oh, this is a shambles. Maybe what I'm what I'm drinking is the problem. Is um, I uh, I my I'm having decaffeinated coffee. <laughs> so I'm uh, I'm lacking my usual caffeine sharpened wit. Hang on a minute. I've just thought of another film as well, which might be useful. What's that film with C- Cuba Gooding Jr. as the oh. The guy- with Guard of Honor, Men of Honor. Men of Honor, yeah. Men of yeah. Honor. Men of Honor. That's because he has to be a submarine commander or something, doesn't he? A deep, a deep, deep diver. Yeah, deep diver. He's the first black deep diver. Yeah, that's a similar type of story, isn't it? Basically. Yeah. I guess there's yeah, Heartbreak Ridge too is the kind of the training montage yeah. where Clint Eastwood has to get the crews. There's lots of these kind of military training ones, but yeah, they 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 follow the certain tropes. So it is is at least refreshing when someone breaks the uh, the, the mold and tries something different. Listeners will be pleased that we haven't referenced Private Benjamin too much because that's obviously <laughs> the other one, but that's too obvious, isn't it? But that's such a comedic thing. I mean, actually, we're actually Private Benjamin is all women, so actually, there's no problem. No, that's true. Yeah, it's about, it's the fact that she's a Jewish American princess in in the army rather than she's a woman in the army. Oh, Although yeah. it does it does get a bit woman in the army halfway through the movie, but that's Private Benjamin's review, not this one. Indeed. So then, dear listener, as you made it, you made it through Hell Week. Exploded all around you. <laughs> You're about to ring the bell, but before you do, um just give us five more minutes while we deliver you the scores on the doors for this embodied crumbie heads and we reveal September's movie for Ooh, exciting three episode nine. Welcome, dear listener, to the part of the podcast everybody looks forward to. Yes, it's the end. <laughs> but before we get to the end, we have to reveal the disembodied Crombie head scores for this uh, month's podcast for G.I. Jane. Um, and as it was Hugh's choice, Hugh gets to go first. Hugh, what did you think of G.I. Jane? I think it's been yeah, fairly uh, exhaustively talked about. It, I found it well-meaning but falling short it didn't really strike any of the tone it was going for and it, it, it kind of it was both and again the, the phrase uh, my viewing companion said to me it was both um not deep enough and not shallow enough so it, it didn't quite <laughs> get there. but yeah. i would also agree i was entertained and i yeah. again i liked it as a youth I, I still again i was revisiting it and i still found it again a good time as it flew by it was very visually exciting there was a lot of talent again behind the camera in front of it and i think it's it's a it's a it's a generous but a three out of five. Oh, okay, that's very good. Um, thank you for that, Hugh. So I'll give you my scores as well. Um, I think I agree with with most of what you said. I, I particularly like the uh, it wasn't deep enough and it wasn't shallow enough. I think that pretty much sums it up actually, completely. It's hand fisted, but it means well. Uh, a bit um, a bit like um, Forrest Gump, I suppose, really, in, in, in or Sloznik. <laughs> you mean well? I can't remember what his name is, but yeah, I suppose the the, the thing for me is that. Um, I'm going to give it two disembodied crombie heads, um, I, I probably because although I did enjoy it, actually, in the end, and I surprised myself by how much I did enjoy it, there are a couple of things in it which I can't really forgive, um, particularly the overt sexualization of Demi Moore in what purports to be a feminist um, 
film about women in the military and the fact that she has to adhere to the man's world to succeed despite everything else. However, it was nevertheless entertaining and it certainly, certainly doesn't fall into the graveyard of one stars for me. That's reserved for very, very onerous films. But nevertheless, uh, two disembodied Crombie heads for me, three from Hugh. That's a two and a half overall. I think Indeed. that's fair. Or five out of ten, yeah. I think or that's five fair. out of ten. Yeah, yeah, I think that's fair, isn't it? Fair enough. But we can now uh, we can now dismiss Joe Jane. The, uh, the the white hat can be thrown into the air in uh, in the graduation, <laughs> and they can go off to to secure petrochemical resources from around the world for the United States. Uh, and uh, we shall learn what our viewing will be in September. James, take it away. What are we going to watch? We're going to watch sheds. <laughs> no, we're not. We're not. We're not. <clears throat> So for September's Weekend at Crombie, we are going to watch The Court Jester. Oh. The Court Jester. There we go. There we I will reveal no more. We will find out about when we find out more. Okay, well, in that case, uh, class dismissed. You may stand down. Um, may uh, spread your... There it is. I should mention as a side, I wouldn't last two minutes. I wouldn't last two seconds. I, uh, I wouldn't I, sign up. No, I, if I found myself in the situation by some mischance, I would leave as soon as they started shouting at me. I wouldn't have that. It's a bit like when you ask the question, if the Second World War happened now, would you be a hero or a deserter? And it's a question I don't even need to be asked. I know already what I would be. Uh, and on that, we shall desert you for one more month, but we shall see you again, I hope, in September, as you've had an enjoyable weekend at Crombie's. Good evening, all. Part of the charm of Weekend at Crombies is its its delightful amateurism. <laughs> <laughs> I think the word's amateurish, isn't it? Amateurism. Not amateur. Amateurism. Oh, I think we've hit our first hurdle there.